Episode 26A, Egyptian Mythology. Before we can move on to the battles between the gods, we need to take a moment to introduce the Egyptian gods and goddesses. So join us as we explore the religion that was so intertwined into Egyptian society that it couldn't be separated from each other. Welcome to the History of the Bible podcast. Before we continue with the Battle of the Gods, we're going to take a moment to talk about the Egyptians and their gods and goddesses to give a better understanding of the mindset that they had when Aaron and Moses showed up. Egyptian mythology was one that was ever-changing. They didn't have a book that taught them about their religion, such as the Bible for Christians. The religion could and sometimes did look different from generation to generation. The Egyptians saw time not so much as a linear time or as a straight line, but more cycles. When something ended, the cycle would start over again. Therefore, it would sometimes be said that a king was his own father, because once the father died, he would be reborn into his son. Think of it as seasons. Egyptian mythology can be put into seven different sections. Chaos, a creator emerges, creation, reign of the sun god, rule by other deities, rule by semi-divine kings, and then the return to chaos. For the Egyptians, before there was anything, there was chaos. Nothing was made yet. Just a non-ending state of dark, watery dominion. Different aspects of this chaos are often thought of as different deities that were waiting for creation to happen. For example, Hika was one of these gods that awaited the creation of the world. Hika was the god of magic. In this watery darkness, there came up a mound or a hill that the god Autumn stood upon. Autumn discovered that he was very lonely on this mound and desired to have someone around. During creation, Autumn would be called other names to show his character during that part of creating. In Egyptian mythology, there are three aspects to creation. The body, a part of the divine transfer to the body, and the breath of life. Therefore, there would be some gods and goddesses that were known for making the body and others that were known for giving the breath of life. The aspect that a part of the divine would be transferred to the body in order to create life led to be the thought by the ancient Egyptians that all living beings had, in some way, a form of the creator. Now those other gods and goddesses that existed in the chaos that Autumn used to create were Sia, Hu, and Hika. Sia was the power of perception and insight. Hu was the power of speech. With these two, Autumn would be able to use Sia to help visualize their forms to create. Hu was used by Autumn to speak and name things into existence. But if it wasn't for Hika, Sia and Hu would have no action. Hika was what allowed for the visualization and speaking to become a reality. Sometimes the god Ta would represent the creative mind, and Sia and Hu were seen as the heart and tongue of Ta. The Egyptians believed that thoughts and feelings came from the heart, not the brain. With the help of these gods and goddesses, Autumn would be able to create, and the way that Autumn creates is through his own semen. At this time, there isn't any male or female yet, 
So Autumn ejects his own semen after masturbating into his own mouth. His mouth then acts as a womb, and using his thoughts and words, he would give birth to twins. The name of these twins were Shu and Tifnu. They would become the first male and female. Shu would be breathed out of Autumn's nose, thus becoming the god of air, and Tifnu would be spat out of the mouth of Autumn, and she was the goddess of moisture. When Autumn created Tifnu, he was called Autumn Kipri. Once Autumn gave birth to the twins, he would then become the father, and his sexual partner would become his hand, as it helped him to produce the semen. However, later on, Autumn's partner would become known as Hathor. After Autumn gives birth to his twins, they just hung out on the hill in the watery darkness. However, eventually Shu and Tifnut would separate from their father, and in order to find them, Autumn sends his eye out to search for them. This eye would become known as the daughter of Ra, because it would be associated with the sun part of the god. And for the first rays of sun to come into existence, Shu and Tifnut created a void in the chaos, which allows for the eye to shine, and thus find the twins. But when the twins in Autumn's eye come back, the eye was furious with Autumn because he had grown back another eye. So Autumn made her into the cobra that would sit on his forehead. Autumn then would give new identities to his children. To Shu, he gives him the ability of life or life-giving air. Tifnu was given a new name, Mat. She would become the goddess of truth, justice, and order. Later on in Egyptian history, kings were judged in the afterlife for if they brought Mat's kingdom to earth, which would be bringing truth, justice, and order into the Egyptian kingdom. The twins would eventually mate together as the first male and females. Matt would conceive and give birth to another set of twins, Giv, who was associated with the earth, and Nut, who was thought to be associated with the sky. They would hold on to each other so tightly that there was no room between them. So to pull them apart from each other, Shu, their father, pushed them apart and stood between them. In pictures, it can be seen that Gib would be lying on the floor or next to his father's feet, and Nut would be held in the air by their father's arms. With this space between them, there was now Gib on the ground, who was the earth, Nut in the sky, and their father created the space and filled it with himself, or life-giving air. And in this space, the sun was able to rise for the first time. This would be the creation of the world itself. This is when Autumn would become known as Ra, the sun god. Once Gib and Nut were separated, Nut was able to give birth to their children. These children would be Osiris, Seth, Horus, Isis, and Nephthys. Sometimes Horus is left out in some sources, as not being the child of Nut and Gib. These nine, or ten including Horus, are the first gods and goddesses that would be known as the Great Ennead. Once the earth was created, the gods and goddesses had a place to put all of their creations. This included humans, animals, and other deities. It was during this time that the sun god Ra ruled the earth and all that was in it. Both man and gods lived and walked among each other. But it wouldn't stay this way. 
Eventually, Ra would grow old, and his daughter Isis wanted her unborn son to take the place of ruler. In order to ensure that her son would rule, Isis needed to know the true name of Ra. So to do this, she gathered some of his saliva and mixed it with dirt and made it into a snake that comes to life. She then leaves it alongside the road that Ra would walk on. Soon enough, Ra wanted to go see his creation and began to walk along the road, when all of a sudden he was bitten by something that he did not create. As the poison seeps into his body, Isis acts surprised by the bite and says she can remove the poison only if she knows his real name. Ra tells her that in the mornings he is Hipri, Ra at noon, and autumn and the evening. But that isn't his real name. Finally, after the pain is too much, Ra whispers his name to Isis, who then removes the poison from her father's body. Now that she knows her father's real name, her unborn son was guaranteed to be ruler. When Ra gets older, he gets sick and is taken away from earth and taken to the heavens. Here he is transformed into many different things, such as a field of paradise for the dead. He creates other gods to help hold up Nut, the sky goddess. He creates Thoth, who will rule the night sky with the moon. Osiris is placed in charge to rule humanity. This would bring about the rule of lesser gods. When Osiris was placed as ruler over humanity, he was seen as the first king of Egypt and Isis was the first queen. Because of this position, all of the kings after Osiris were thought to have a part of him within. Eventually, rebellion would begin and his brother Seth becomes jealous for the throne. And a plan was plotted against the king. It is said that Seth got the measurements of Osiris and had a beautiful chest made to his measurements. Then a party was thrown by Seth and he brought the chest out and challenged anybody that was able to fit in the chest was allowed to keep it. As the members of the party tried the chest, no one was able to fit. That is, until Osiris tried. Once inside, Seth and his father sealed the chest and threw it into the Nile. Isis would find the chest and try to bring her husband back to life, but Seth found out and cut Osiris' body into 14 parts and scattered them. Isis then tries to gather them all back together, which she does except one body part is missing because it was swallowed up by a fish. So she makes do with the fake body part to replace the missing one. Isis then brings her husband back to life and she conceives a child. Osiris would then be taken to become the king of the underworld. Isis would give birth to Horus, not the son of Gib and Nut, but her son. And eventually he would grow up and compete with Seth for the right to rule. They would fight and have many different competitions to see who was the rightful ruler of Egypt. But nothing was ever decided. It wasn't until both Seth and Horus brought their cases before the tribunal. Here, Horus would win the right to rule, and thus he became the next king of Egypt. As time went on, other kings would come to rule Egypt, some fully divine, other demigods. But all kings had the order of bringing Matt to the kingdom. Otherwise, chaos would try to take over. And because the right to rule went from Osiris to his firstborn son, Horus, the same would be done for the rest of the Egyptian kings, 
passing the right to rule from the father to the eldest son. However, it wouldn't always be the case, because some kings wouldn't have sons to pass the throne to. This would cause confusion and who should rule for a period. Eventually, the gods and goddesses would remove themselves from humanity, leaving them to rule themselves. But despite who was ruling, it was their job to communicate between the gods and the people to prevent chaos from overcoming the world. Eventually, at the end of time, the world would go back into chaos due to all the rebellion against the gods and goddesses, and Ra would destroy everything that he had created. The ancient Egyptians believed that the universe stayed the same through things always changing. The cycle would stay the same, but the things changed from living to dying, from death to rebirth, an eternal circle of life. And often, this cycle was seen as Osiris being created or born, then living his life. After life, he would die, and then he would be brought back to life after being murdered. Once he was brought back to life, he was placed to rule over the underworld. This Egyptian myth is about the origin of the world and how Egyptians came to rule. After the earth and the sky had been created, the gods and goddesses had a place to put all their creations. It was during this time that the other Egyptian gods and goddesses were created to serve other purposes. And it was these gods and goddesses, as well as the original nine, that the God of Israel would attack during the plagues. The first plague was the turning of the Nile River into blood. This plague would attack three different gods, Happy, Num, and Osiris. Happy was seen as a protector god. Being one of the sons of Horus, he was the god of the Nile River, as well as the good things that the annual flooding did. This is why he can be seen as a god of fertility. It is said that all the creatures were excited for the god. The frogs, bulls, and crocodiles all rejoiced. And being the one to bring the good with the Nile, he was seen as the lord of the fishes and maker of barley and wheat. Num was often thought of as the great potter and was a creator god himself. By using the fertile mud from the Nile River, Num would use it and create the human body on his wheel and then have Ra give life to the body. It then would be placed inside the woman's womb to be born. He is seen as a ram-headed god, which would be the symbol of fertility and virility. He would be the god over those that work with ceramics. The Nile River was sometimes seen as the blood of Osiris, as it brought back the life that was taken away from him when he was murdered by his brother Seth. The second plague was the frogs coming up from the Nile River. This would be an attack on Hecate. She was the goddess that helped women to give birth as well as helped the dead to be reborn into the afterlife. Symbols of her would be a woman with a frog head and sometimes holding a knife to show herself a protector goddess that defends the woman and the child during birth. Later on in history, she would become worshipped as the goddess of the waters in which autumn would come from. She was seen as the partner of Num. They would often work together as Num would create the bodies of the children. Hecate would be there to bring life and protection to the child. Thus, she can also be seen as a divine midwife. The third plague was gnats. During this plague, the soil would turn into flying insects. 
Geb was supposed to be the god of the earth and all the growing things on it. He was the one god that would hold on to his sister wife so tightly that their father's shoe had to push them apart, which created the sky and the earth. The fourth plague was flies. This would be an attack on Ra, but not in his form as the sun god. No, it would be an attack against Hipri, which is his form during the dawn of the day. He had the form of a human, but his head was that of a beetle. This was because in the morning the god of the beetles would get up and push the sun to the afternoon, just like a dung beetle would push manure into a ball and then push it around. When ancient Egypt is thought of, the beetle comes to mind. The reason that this beetle is so important is that it represented the young side of Ra, as it was the young sun that would rise in the mornings. He is also thought of to be part of the mummification of human bodies. When he helps the body being prepared, he calms the one that died and lets them know that their body will not deteriorate because they are part of Hipri, and their body parts will remain to exist. This is why the symbol of the beetle came so popular, because of the promise to bring the person's renewed life after death. And so millions of beetle form amulets were made over the time of ancient Egypt's history. The fifth plague was the death of livestock. This would be an attack on many gods and goddesses. Bat, who was depicted as a cow that brought success and blessings to the people. Heset would be another goddess that was seen as a cow, but with a tray of food on her horns and milk running freely from her udders. Beer was often called the milk of Heset. Mihet Waret was another goddess that was depicted as a cow. However, she is said to be before Autumn, the creator god. She came up out of chaos and gave birth to Autumn. Sky Bull was a guardian of the afterlife. However, all of these goddesses and gods were eventually absorbed into Hathor, and she would be then worshipped as the goddess that brought all of those deities into one, being known as the mother that brought blessings to the people of joy, inspiration, love, and celebration which also meant that she was the goddess of drunkenness. She was also the one that came from Autumn's hand and became his wife. Another god that the plague was against was Apis. He was a bull that was thought to be the reincarnation of Ta. Ta was another version of Autumn, the god that created everything. However, Ta would eventually be forgotten about and replaced with Autumn. As time went on, Apis would become the bull that represented the reincarnation of Osiris, rather than Ta. And because of this, the Egyptians would keep a cow and a bull in their temple to be worshipped because it was thought to be the reincarnation of this god and goddess. The sixth plague was boils. Again, the sixth plague was an attack on many gods and goddesses. Nephertum came from a bud of a flower at the dawn of creation making him a part of Autumn's creation. He was seen as the god of sweet-smelling flowers and often called upon to bring healing aromas to cure a person. Imhotep was eventually a priest that turned into a god, and he was the god of knowledge and healing. His father was the god Ta, or Autumn. His mother was a woman that had a beautiful voice for singing. However, almost all gods and goddesses knew spells and magic to help protect against disease, but it wouldn't do any good in protecting against the God of Israel. The seventh plague was hail, and the eighth plague was locusts. 
Both these attacks would be against Shu, the god of the air, Nut, the goddess of the sky, and Seth. Even though Seth is seen as an evil god, he was still god of the storms, sandstorms, and flash floods coming from the desert in ancient Egypt. Really, anything that was bad coming from the desert was due to Seth. Even pestilence were seen to be under his control. But Shu and Nut were thought to have some control on the weather as well. And during these two plagues, it destroyed more of the crops from the fields, which would then again attack Gib, the god of growing things within the earth. The ninth plague was darkness. This would be an attack on the ancient Egyptians' most beloved god, Ra. He was the great creator god that from him came all things. He brought the sunlight into the earth. Without Ra, there wouldn't be anything. Remembering that Ra was the later name of Autumn, Autumn was the one who gave life to everything. The tenth plague could be against the gods and goddesses that were charged with protecting children, such as Isis and Hecate. However, it most likely would have been an attack on the king himself and his position over the Egyptians. Now that the Egyptian gods and goddesses have been introduced, join us next time as the battle begins for the Israelites in episode 27, The Battle of the Gods. Thanks for listening to the History of the Bible podcast. We want to hear from you on how this podcast has impacted you. Please check out the links in the show notes. Until next time, remember that you are loved, special, and worthwhile.